Hey there film fans and welcome to a brand new shiny season of The Real Take. It's been a long couple of weeks and it's time to get the whole gang back together again. There's nothing like a good reunion. You get to catch up with friends you haven't seen in ages, reminisce about the good old days or school friends you haven't seen in 20 years who you secretly hate but you're nice to their face. Or what about the family reunion, relatives hugging each other in delight one minute, arguing the next. Yes, this week on the show, it's all about reunion movies. So expect laughter, tears and reigniting old feuds. Let's roll titles. Sit down and grab a glass. Sinead Ross and Niall have made a podcast. It's the real take, breaking it down. Having fun and talking movies. Talking movies. It is The Real Take, the podcast by film fans, for film fans. Don't forget to like and subscribe to The Real Take wherever you get your podcasts and you won't miss an episode. You can also follow us at The Real Take on social media. And it's been too long, but could it be my buddies, Niall and Ross? How are you doing, guys? Um, I'm sorry, who? Do, do I know you? It's been a long time. Oh, oh my time. God, is that is that Sinead? Is that Ross? Oh my, I can't believe it. Who would have thought that I would bump into both of you here at the Real Take re- Real Take <laughs> reunion that there's only the three of us. The three of us, yeah. There's a special glint in the air, though, when the gang gets back together, isn't there? There's, some, there's there a special is, energy about yes. it. There That's is a special energy, which we're hoping to bring in bucket loads <laughs> in this episode. Um, but, do you know, uh, I have to ask either of you, have you been to... A school reunion or have you had a family reunion or anything like that have you been sort of have you had that pleasure or <laughs> is it a pleasure i don't know uh, well it is i i find that high school reunions well obviously high school reunions but school reunions are a much bigger thing it seems to me in the likes of america and stuff like that where they tend to have a 10-year um reunion uh, after school um here i've heard of it but it's usually 25 years down the line something like that sure if you do a 10-year reunion from schools in ireland you'd still know half the people they're probably still in the same town <laughs> yeah. not much will have changed um so i think 25-year reunion is is probably the one but no there's been no kind of school reunion for me um as for family reunions they happen every all the time so <laughs> i don't know how about you Niall? Yeah, I mean, family, not so much because they're all living kind of very mm. close by. Um, I was invited to my 10-year uh, drama school reunion. Oh. And mm. I didn't go because it was in Manchester. And also as well, I don't know, I've mixed feelings about reunions. It's a bit of like, especially it's like, oh, well, I've been in this, especially a drama school yeah. reunions. Yeah. It's going, well, it's I've been in this, I've been doing this and I've been doing that. I was like, well, now i do a podcast yeah which i'm very what? proud of proud i'm of. very yeah. proud of yeah <laughs> although if you had had the movie career of leonardo dicaprio since drama would you have gone to the reunion do you think would you have made a point no i don't think so no no i mean i think that's very that's very gauche really is because <laughs> but no i mean we can talk about it and we're not just talking i suppose about school or high school or college reunions but just reunions in general especially mm. in movies but um part of the reason i didn't go is because i guess i was very aware of that was a point in my life mm. you know what i mean and going back would 
mean that I wasn't happy with where my life is now and I was trying to recapture it and I'd be going around all the places. I haven't been to Manchester since I, I graduated just because I know I'd just be going, oh, I used to go in for a pint in there and this is where I used to live and then I used to go up. So I, I don't know how healthy that is. Nostalgia, the Greek word, nostalgia, mm. I think I've said this before, it yeah. means pain for the past. Yes. So... Yeah. I think sometimes nostalgia is best left in the past. Yeah. Well, thank God COVID put a stop to me having my yeah. school reunion. <laughs> 20 years since I left secondary school. And it's like you, you reach that milestone and just go, oh, 20 years ago. That is like too old. And, you know, I had I did have my group of friends who I still you know, would be quite close to. touch with. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I liked kind of the majority of people at school. But, you know, it's sort of, again, kind of like you, Niall, I'd be like, so... What are you doing? Like, there's there's nothing to kind of <laughs> well talk here's, about. You know? Here's a question now for Ross, our our youngest member of the. Not so by that much. You're, no, but you're you're a while away from your twenty year school reunion or graduation yeah. reunion, I guess. Um, have you ever met somebody from your past? You know, and just maybe casually and gone. I really, they, well, I used to be best friends with this person, but I have nothing to say to them now. Oh, uh, that's interesting. But not really from secondary school and primary school. No, no, but just generally, yeah. Yeah, we all went through phases of being best pals, trying each other on for a little while (laughs) and moving on. And you meet those people now and have nothing at all in common. Um, Yeah, there's only so much you can talk mm. about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be surprised how much you could drag out of that conversation. But as well as that, I I think anyone from school who I've wanted kept in my life is still kind of around. Do you know that sort of way? Or I can still... Um, so and, and plus I think it's different in Ireland as well uh, in a lot of maybe other countries as well a lot of people's friends seem to be from do you know college or from their job or from do you know that aspect of life whereas I think in Ireland we still kind of hang on where our closest friends for the most part are still people we probably went to secondary school with yeah, yeah we're, we're also just closer we talked about this in our <laughs> in our road trip thing we just don't yeah. have the distance like if you yes. move to the other side of the country, you're only in Galway, you know. <laughs> yeah. So it's two not hours that away. Far away. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And plus, all the people who've moved to like Canada or Australia, they're probably not going to come back for a, unless they're back home anyway. They're probably not going to yeah. come back for a reunion, and that's the ones who you probably wouldn't have seen in years or wouldn't have ran into downtown or something, you know. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you you often have this kind of downtown run into kind of scenario, and you're like, oh no, I just want to avoid you actually you know think about those awkward conversations are you talking about last saturday are you talking about last saturday yeah i crossed I waved. the street i, I waved the street. <laughs> my arm got tired from waving no i would That's never do that to you come like. on now <laughs> um but it is a good topic to bring up in movies because it turns out there are lots of movies out there about reunions in one form or another. And I suppose um, throughout the picks that we have, we have, you know, things like, you know, family kind of reuniting. We have the um, classic uh, school reunion as well. And it's all kind of on the theme of getting gangs of people back together, I suppose. Um so let's dive into it because I think my one is probably going to spark off a bit of healthy, healthy conversation. So, um, yeah, yeah, uh, go on there. <laughs> okay, so. So we're talking about reunion movies, yeah. aren't we? We're talking about movies where 
people haven't seen each other for a long time and then they get back together. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what's your pick, Shalane? Well, my pick, <laughs> my pick, right, is uh, Ocean's 12. Okay, why did I pick this? Ooh. Well, <laughs> first of all, I looked down the list. Like, I'm just going to be really straight with you now, right? I looked down, I, I googled reunion movies, right? And lots, What? Yeah. What? <laughs> lots came up. Are you up. saying that when we decide a a, 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 a a discussion for this podcast, you go to you Google? Well, yeah, because Ross off. picked the best oh, one. And then you were like, <laughs> oh, we'll pick the other best one for like murder a scene. So I was like... Right. Uh. <laughs> yes. Uh, look. Uh, full disclosure. Behind the scenes, we often do go to Google to to decide yeah. what we're going to talk about. But like you, with every you... decision in our lives. Exactly. Yes. I mean, how do you pick what what the best pizza and draw is without going to Google? Exactly. Mm. So um, a lot of them. Now, in fairness, a lot of them I hadn't seen on the lists that come up. And I was really just tied for time. So I was like, I'm not going to get to see these movies again uh, or see these movies in the first place. So I was like, look, I know Ocean's 12 quite well. Plus, it is a reunion movie. Plus, it sparked sort of an argument on WhatsApp between us. So I was like, OK, this is definitely what I'm picking. OK, so for people who don't know, just I, to give I a quick background. I agree with one of the three things you just said. <laughs> Mm. guess which one um so for people who don't know this is a sequel to the successful oceans 11 movie directed by steven soderbergh where danny ocean played by george clooney um needs to get the gang of thieves from the first movie back together for another heist to get terry benedict the multi-casino owner from the first movie whom they robbed pretty much off their back so that's kind of it in the in the nutshell so danny ocean along with his partner rusty ryan played by brad pitt and a gang of professional thieves um featuring many many well-known faces in there uh, matt damon casey affleck uh don Cheadle, so many so many uh they decide to team up and pull off the ultimate heist in the first one so they are going to rob three major casinos in vegas on the night of a big boxing match so the guys pull off this elaborate heist and they escape with a truckload of money but terry benedict who owns the casinos played by andy garcia is not the type of man to just let this go and so he wants his money plus interest okay so in oceans 12 he arrives at the home of danny and tess uh, danny's wife played by julia roberts and he tells tess that danny and the crew better come up with all of the money plus interest in just two weeks uh, they have to come up with 160 million plus the interest that's 30 million 38 million of interest as well right so the gang by the way are happily going about their daily lives you know building hotel empires playing house in danny's case doing stand-up opening nail salons you know and uh, they're forced to reunite and in fact there's a whole montage type sequence where benedict pretty much shows up surprising each of the 11 uh, reminding us who the characters are and they Which? all reunite in a warehouse to work out how to pull off an even bigger heist and get Benedict his money back. Okay, so I gotta say, can I stop you there for a second? I remember watching this movie and something stuck stuck out to me, right? Yeah. Benedict goes and visits them all individually. Yeah. To remind you living, who they are. Exactly, but they're all living all over the globe. And presumably it takes time, or even if you have a private jet, it's gonna take you time to travel across the globe <laughs> in the meantime did the first person who got stung which was danny ocean did he not think you know what i'll pick up my mobile phone i'll give the rest of them a heads up that this guy's coming for them do you know 
It's uh, Ross. I I applaud it's, it's, your I applaud your adversarial uh, stance mm-hmm. on this movie. I also hold that stance. I do not think this is a reunion movie. Well, I'm going to tell think, you, there's so many reunions happening. This right? I do think going into the logistics of how long it took. Andy Garcia to travel around the globe <laughs> to get in touch with them all is not really, that's not what we want to put our case on. We okay, need to, okay. we need we to have, have a sidebar that's, that's and then, yes. yeah. Okay, yeah, so he does that. It's a mechanism, Ross, just to okay. catch people up very quickly on okay. who the characters are. Okay, so that's what it is, right? Um, well, why do we need to be caught up quickly? Because we only saw them two years ago in a film. Three, a reunion. three, just letting you, just I'm putting sorry, it out there. Three years ago. Three years yeah. ago yeah. Okay, and by the way, uh-huh. as Ross rightly puts out, they're all scattered around the globe doing their thing. And now they come together. Well, hang on a minute. If you haven't seen, so are you telling me if you haven't seen somebody in three years and you then meet up with them that that's not a reunion? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want to hear all of your argument before I destroy it. No, no. This is uh, we're getting into this now, right? Are you telling me that if I go away for three? No, no. I'm going into it now. If you are you telling me if I go off for three years and I then reunite with you that it's not a reunion? I'm going to just stop you How there really the quickly because this know is a reunion about what episode. Happens. <laughs> anyway, right. How so, the listeners know what happens with Danny Ocean and the people? That yes, I'm getting back to that. That was my sidestep. Right, so in so what happens is, right, so in the midst of all of this, uh, we have the Night Fox. And the Night Fox is Francois Toulour, played by Vincent Cassell. And uh, he's determined to thwart the thieves' attempts. So um, the gang get a tip off from an Can informant. Can you say that again? Sorry, the, uh, he has to do what? He has to he has to thwart the thieves' attempts. Oh, very good. Yeah, very good. Uh, Once more. Fuck off. You see the gang (laughs) get it get a tip off from an informant named psychologically Ross. Psychologically, no, you're not getting in any head. Uh, And the location. So what they've told he's told them that there's this first stocked certificate and um, it's worth a couple of million. So they decide to go off and do an elaborate scheme to get the the bond. Uh, But they discovered that the night fox. Francois has beaten them to it. So they learn that this guy is a French baron. He lives in a villa in Lake Como. And uh, what they decide to do is they decide to rob his paintings to kind of get his attention. And they realize that Toulour has broken the code of silence among thieves and hired Matsumi to inform the crew about the certificate. So to set it all up, because Toulour is upset that his mentor and the greatest thief in the world, Lamarck, has suggested that Danny may be a better thief than him. So he challenges Danny to steal a Fabergé imperial coronation egg. And if Danny and the crew win and steal the egg before Tulor, he will pay off the debt to Benedict. So that's kind of a, another plot that's going on within the plot, I suppose. And the film goes on. So not only are the gang of thieves back together after a couple of years since the Benedict adopt job, uh, this reunion is less that of a hallmark moment, more of a what the heck are we going to do moment. Uh, you know, the guys don't have time to swap pleasantries like you might do, say, in a, in a reunion. It's straight down to how, how much they owe Benedict. But emotions are high, as in all reunions. The guys <laughs> are annoyed that Danny took a lot of the credit for the Benedict job and they bicker and quarrel over how they're going to pull off the heist. Um and Saul decides he's going to leave all together and he walks out on the guys. And I'm just going to give you a little taster of the scene where they reunite after three years and they try to figure out what they're going to do to get Benedict's money. You told me that your wife said that he called it Ocean Eleven. Now, who decided that? 
I'm a private contractor. It was a collaboration. That moniker is insulting. Yeah, I mean, Danny, it was one job that we did together, so I don't know where this whole, like, proprietary stance comes from. Wait, it seems a little possessive. One could know? make the argument that because it was, in fact, Danny's idea, maybe no, it hang be... on a minute. We all had our own areas of expertise. I mean, without us, it don't leave your head, mate. It just hurts, you know, because it seemed like we all agreed to call it the Benedict job. I mean, that's what we called it when we were doing it, you know? That's right. If you wanted to call it something else all along, then... Wait, when you have a problem, who do you go to? Rusty. Rusty. Thanks, Linus. Let's get back on the topic. Based on what we stole, plus interest, how much does everybody owe? $17.34 million. Assuming Benedict gives us prime plus one, which I doubt, figure 19 to be safe. Okay, 19 each. Anybody got that? But there are more reunions because Rusty is reunited with an old flame. Isabel Lahiri, who is a detective for Europol, Europol played by Catherine Zeta Jones. You see, a few years prior, Rusty met as Isabel in Rome, fell in love, you know, a thief and a detective, not really an amazing match in terms of romance history, but they fell in love, fell hard for each other. And uh, at the start of the movie, we learn why Rusty had to, had to basically run out on her and the relationship because she was, in fact, catching him for a crime. Uh, she was on his trail. So you can see straight away that although Isabel holds a lot of contempt for Rusty and is hurt by his betrayal, there's still a lot of passion. There's a lot of chemistry there in their back and forth banter, kind of cat and mouse kind of stuff. Um, this isn't the only reunion for Isabel because massive spoiler alert, she's reunited with her father, whom she presumed dead. He's also a thief. Um, her mother told her that he died when she was nine. Cue emotional reunion at the end. So it's not a mere sequel or another great heist movie. It's a great heist reunion, rekindled romance, rekindled father-daughter relationship movie. There you go. It's not even the okay. best Oceans movie is the problem. Why ah, it's a decent a sequel. It's, it's a decent yeah. sequel. Oh, 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 a sequel, you say, as opposed to a reunion. You can have ah. a sequel. A sequel Hoist reunion by your own, movie. Hoist by your own patel. No, no, did you not um, listen? I said it's not a mere sequel or another great heist movie. Mm. It's a great heist sequel reunion, rekindled romance, rekindled father-daughter relationship movie. Yeah, a lot, lot of listeners just now going, yeah, shaking their heads going. Right, go on, give us your argument um, now. Give us come My on. argument is this is a sequel. It is a sequel, not a reunion. I mean, it's as simple as that. Like, well, example, I mean, this is uh, American the American Pie, Pie reunion. reunion. Yeah, I is knew you were going to go there. And a sequel. Yeah. Uh, now, I would give American Pie reunion, or what's it called, Ross? I know you have it on DVD or HD or Blu-ray. Is it called American it's, Reunion? It's just called American Reunion. It's just called American, American, American Pie reunion. reunion or something. At least more than three years have, have passed for these people to have reunion. <laughs> But this is just like, well, like, hang on a minute. So there's a time limit. There's a time limit. That's ridiculous, Niall. That is not an argument. Why is this a reunion movie and Hangover 2 is not a reunion movie? That is a reunion movie. Oh my god! Oh no, I can't argue with someone in this mindset. No, I I tend to 
agree. It's it, the reunion isn't entirety of the film. Obviously, the heist is probably the bigger part of it. But it's a gang of people reuniting. What could you call that? But reunion? so any yeah, but you can't because it's it's just a sequel. Ghostbusters two is that a reunion movie? Well, I'd have to refresh myself on Ghostbusters two. Do they not see each other in a long time in Ghostbusters? Yes, 2? no, they don't, and they're all separate, and then they all yeah, have then to it get would be because they yeah, have to get back together. You no, just said no, it. No, no, it is just a sequel. No, Avengers Endgame is Avengers Endgame a reunion movie? Well, no, because they don't—they've no. seen each other. That, oh, you know, yeah. it's been, been yeah. five years. The whole time. It's I'll been be five years. Okay, I'll well, I honest. wasn't. Yeah, it probably could yeah, be. I'll be reunion. honest with you. I'm, I'm siding with I'm siding with Sinead on this one. Uh-huh. Like cars on a table, and look, we can leave it up to up to our adoring fans. <laughs> this is not not none of what I've mentioned. Well, my uh, my argument in this is right. You know, they are all going about their lives. Let's say you know they're they're they're, they're doing their thing. They're not seeing so each your, other your on, argument a regular, is on a that regular basis. If, if people just if people between movie one and movie two, if they're only obsessed with doing whatever it is that they're doing, then that's that is a sequel whereas if they're not so if superman got a job as a plumber between superman one and superman two and then it was like superman we need you to help no that's different because that's one person yeah exactly you know this isn't oh no no a slain then or i don't know no 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 you said getting the gang back together getting the gang back together is what you said so a gang is the group that kind of you know that we're all together you know say for the for the first movie or whatever it might be if it's a case for a sequel like the other movies are going to discuss obviously you know it's it's a group of friends coming back together or a group of of uh, family members coming back together and it could be just for one movie but in this case i feel that they like it's not like they Right, right. They added in Catherine Zeta Jones. She's a new character, but they okay. don't. It's not like Danny Ocean goes off with another gang and does another heist. Do you get me? Mm. He gets no, the old gang be, back together be, to that do. That would be George Clooney. Well, look, well then it wouldn't be a reunion we could we could argue with this all night i feel like we're getting absolutely nowhere you're right we're getting nowhere i can't believe that you sided with Sinead (laughs) all i'm taking from this is it has to be at least 10 years before niall is going to consider that we are you know uh united with each other i I will take it by a case on case basis (laughs) i think 10 years now Three years is just like, oh God, I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, my, oh there you are. A while? Three years is a long time. A lot can I... happen in three years. People can get married. People can have yeah. children. Plus, people can, you know. Re- there's going to be reunions as soon as all the restrictions are lifted, which yep. should be not too, hopefully not yeah, too long. Yeah, but who's going to want to make movies galore. about them though, really? What have you been you doing? You won't want to watch any own. movies. You'd be I've been in my house. I've been in my house the whole time. What have well, you that's been? Why be good I've been in my house people. as well. The whole point of a reunion movie is what? How have these well, characters changed? I was going. Right? I was going to talk how about my. Characters I was going to talk about my reunion movie, but now I feel like it's going to get ripped to pieces by another. So I'm not sure. <laughs> <if I should. laughs> no, you definitely should. Yours is the best. Okay, how yes, do they change? Well, actually, they all change. They all they change. Really. Well, They're because exactly the same, and that that is shown by the fact that they just slip into like. 
I would say that Ocean's 12 is, or Ocean's 11 is a good movie. Ocean's 12 is not a good movie. Oh, you see, this is where it lies in the, the rub. I think I've discovered it now. Right. Niall doesn't like the movie just in general. So this is why he's poking fun. If this had but been, I if I had a said that... Avengers Endgame, that's my reunion movie, Niall would be like, sold. Yeah, brilliant. I was <laughs> listening to you describe the plot of it going, I've seen this film. I saw it in the cinema. I've seen it on DVD. And I... I honestly can't remember any. This is so convoluted. It's got. Is this. this oh, there's plenty of McGuffins and everything. Oh, here. I love Ah, but you see, the thing the about it, guy, do, do you know what it is? It's just. It's obviously it's not as good as the first one. It's still a decent sequel and it's a bloody good caper, a bit of crack, you know, and seeing all these characters come back together with the addition, say, of Julia Roberts having more of a central role in this one and um, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Like, as I said as well, saying the Catherine Zeta-Jones case and and uh, Brad Pitt's characters, they haven't seen each other in a fair long time. And that's just as much part of the I know, the plot but that's, going I don't think well. that you can't play both sides here you can't say this is a reunion movie about people who we know from the first film getting back together and it's also a reunion yeah, movie yeah I'm saying there's loads of reunions never, that's happening no but we never saw in the first film or never yeah, knew about but and a lot of reunion together. movies a lot of reunion movies are not sequels yeah. and there are people we've never no, seen before I know but you all. can't be both this is what I'm saying you can't yeah. play both sides but it's like I didn't write yeah. the movie do you know what I mean this is the plot yeah. does she or does she not reunite with her father yes does she or not does she not reunite with an old flame yes are these points integral to the story yeah very much so <laughs> very much so and does the gang reunite yeah but that's not integral to the story oh it is they have to reunite really? The gang have to reunite because it's to do with Benedict. I don't think so. It's either going to be about Catherine Zeta-Jones and Brad Pitt getting back together and getting... Like, why no, is but that's the subplot. Why it's is it not? Oh, well, so what is... Like, you know, you can't have your plots and your subplots. Well, listen, I, I'm not Steven Soderbergh. I feel like that that's the argument you need to kind of bring up with him. I'm just telling you like it is. Oh, here, Stephen, I have words. <laughs> I have words to say. <laughs> By the way, in every single description that I found in this movie, it's like... the. <laughs> The gang reunite. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, it's it's a left to field, but I think I've I think I've held up a good argument now. Come on. So moving on to I think now this one I have seen this so many times. I absolutely adore this movie. This is Ross's selection, which is the classic school reunion. Yes, and I particularly did want to show you because I love reunion movies. I think they're fantastic. Whether it be you know Ocean's Twelve or Ghostbusters Two, I love a reunion. Uh, excuse movie. me, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I have a particular fondness. You love a for sequel, high... and what's I, this a sequel I to? I have a particular, I have a particular fondness for high school reunion movies, and uh, and there's, there's a couple of reasons why because they just they're the perfect opportunity for drama. Really, it, mm. it's. It, 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 it gives you people who get the chance to kind of re-examine the lives they had as teenagers. Um, there are a lot of people who, you know, like, they didn't really fit in in their teen years. They felt like outsiders. They might have been the victims of bullying. Uh, or they might have a yearn for, like, an old flame or an old high school sweetheart as well. So it gives the, uh, the our characters an opportunity to come back to these situations, but at a very different stage uh, in their life. So think about how much you've changed since you were 17 or 18 to how you were 10 years after that. You, you've, you're 
practically a different person. You might be you might be doing yeah, something completely I mean, different. I absolutely agree there. I mean, literally mm. the amount of time between when you've seen these characters before oh and God. when yes. you see them in the reunion movie Let is very important, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Oh so I'm totally anyway, on your side, Ross. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things can change in you know ten years, twenty years, three years, whatever. Um, so you could be from you know the, the popular jock who's a quarterback in in a high school movie. Uh, they could be a down and out uh, ten years later. Uh, the outcast nerdy kid could be a millionaire CEO. Um, like we've seen this in the likes of Just Friends. You know, it wasn't like a high school reunion movie, but it was Ryan Reynolds returning to his hometown um, and you know um, meeting up with his his old crush uh, Amy Smart when he was a teenager and it's very interesting to see how they're different the relationship is now because previously when he was a teen he was kind of geeky he wasn't very cool and then he turned into well Ryan Reynolds so <laughs> it's interesting seeing something like that uh, returning to your hometown returning to meet people you haven't seen in years uh, and give them a whole new impression of yourself um, a lot of people, as I said, didn't really come into themselves until they left school, um, and until they went to college and until they started working. And a lot of the times how these sort of people have changed and how they relate to the past is just a great setup, I think, for a movie. And there's loads of examples of high school reunion movies. Uh, there's 10 years. Uh, we have Central Intelligence. Um, Peggy Sue got married. Of course, is a is a great one where they actually go back to the. the no, to, I saw. To... I saw that. So okay, so I I saw that come up as a. Mm. Yeah, I haven't seen that one. movie. Oh no, it's, it's a great film. Of, it's yeah, really it's good, of, but it's like a Back to the Future kind of thing. Yeah, she exactly. Knocks so, her head and then goes back to to high school. Yeah, it's kind of like um, what, what, what you call it that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he goes into um, goes into the movie. It's kind of like that, so maybe it mightn't be one technically, but you get the idea. Zach and Mary make a porno as well. Uh, a big part of that plot device was the fact that they went back to their high school reunion. Uh, the big chill, which we we mentioned, um, and uh, while it's technically not a high school reunion, it is a bunch of old buddies from high school reconnecting after years. And of course, there's a big one that we're going to talk about at the end, so I won't bother mentioning anything about that but i decided to look back at a movie that i really enjoyed the first time i watched it and i was in secondary school at the time so for me it was a reunion of sorts and that is romeo and michelle's high school reunion just gonna grab a drink i thought you wanted us to applaud or something i'm wondering (laughs) it wasn't wasn't the reunion reunion of you seeing it again is that what you meant Yes, it's a reunion okay. of me watching it. So, okay. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, this is a movie starring Mira Sorvino and Lisa Kudrow from back in 1997. They respectively played the titular Romy, Romy and Michelle. And Romy and Michelle have been bestie buds since they went to high school together in Tucson, Arizona. In high school, um, and there are a couple of kind of flashback scenes of them in high school, but they're, they aren't exactly at the bottom of the pecking order in regards to like popularity. Often these reunions are about people who are really geeky and grow up to be really cool. In this case, they're kind of they're not at the bottom of the pecking order, but they definitely aren't part of the really popular group either, which consists of you, as you probably guessed, it's the the bitchy cheerleaders and and the football team and stuff like that. Who are so awful? Those girls are horrific. Like as, seriously, as, 
as is the case with like most movies i bet you people on high school football teams and cheerleaders actually probably are decent people but you wouldn't believe it from ever watching an american movie <laughs> yeah. they're always the word that's probably because all the screenwriters were never footballers uh, <laughs> but 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 like they were kind of in-betweeners i would say that is a pretty good way of describing them in college because there's definitely people below them uh, that they probably be treated that way as well but they they did have a bit of a bad time from the popular kids like they were taking the mick out of lisa kudrow's uh, high school back brace and the fact that um, that uh, Mira Sorvino ha- has a really obvious crush on the head cheerleader's boyfriend uh, who was actually interesting enough played by Vincent uh, Ventresca uh, sorry Vincent Ventresca aka <laughs> Fun Bobby um, who if you oh, yeah. ever watch Friends you might know I forgot uh, that's he, where he was yeah, yeah. so there's a couple of like little Friends uh, connections between um, this movie and uh, you know this movie and Friends um, obviously Lisa Kudrow's in it as well but um, the 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 um football player which, which which Romy is is crushing on is played by Fun Bobby who was um Monica's alcoholic boyfriend in season one and season two you might remember so but that's kind of where they are at, at high school kind of getting picked on by the popular kids but they're, they're still getting on with themselves and you flash forward 10 years Romy and Michelle they're now 28 years old they've moved together from Arizona to Venice Beach in California and they kind of originally had their sights set on a bit of a career in, in in fashion design it hasn't really worked out from Romy's working as a cashier in a, in a Jaguar dealership Michelle is unemployed and they're just kind of living this breezy carefree life um, you know making their own clothes which are outlandish and uh, colourful and going out to clubs and stuff like that but one day when, when Romy's working in the Jaguar dealership she bumps into an old classmate played by Janine Garofolo. And she's um yeah, she's that's playing That's the, the Italian that we that we, we rolled that's out the there. Italian. That's that's the Italian you avoid if he comes up to you in the street. Garofolo. But anyway, Janine Garofolo is playing basically every other role she played in the nineties, so you know exactly yeah. what I'm talking about. Um she basically meets up with Romy in the Jaguar dealership. She tells her about their tenure high school reunion and there's a bit of a problem and that is the whole point of high school reunions is so you can stick your success in the face of people you didn't like in school and how can you stick that success in people's faces if you haven't had any uh, but there is some good news they now live pretty far away they, they don't live in Arizona anymore they're in California and they have two weeks to reinvent themselves so they decide to go out and get boyfriends and careers, which is apparently shorthand for a successful life, according to the 90s movies. <laughs> um, so they, they spend two weeks trying to, you know, trying to, um, well, they're, they're trying to get in shape as well. You get in shape, they are in shape, but, you know, it's, it's, it's a 90s movie, movie where they complain about being fat even when they're not. So they go out and they try to bag some fellows and they try to improve their careers. It doesn't go well for them. And they're about to give up hope and not attend the reunion when they realise we're far away from everyone it doesn't matter we can just make all this up they won't know any better and that's what they decide to do but plus there's no facebook you know what i mean there's no facebook and that's actually <laughs> an important part of the lie they come up with because if you're gonna lie there's no point in lying small lie big and they decide to tell everyone that they are the inventors of post-its I invented um, post-its. <laughs> invented post-its. It's, a, it's an odd one. They're kind of under the assumption that everyone knows what post-its are. I actually have post-its here right beside me on the desk. Everyone knows what they are, but no one really knows who invented them or where they came from. So maybe it could have worked. Plus, it's 
you know, it's the 90s, so you have to remember, no, not everyone had a computer on their phone in their pocket, so they're not going to be able to check that up. They might be able to check it up a couple of weeks later, after reunion, so <laughs> I don't know. But uh, um, So they say they invented post-its, and they, they, they're millionaires since their invention, and it's a foolproof plan. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about that. Um, so you'd have to wait and watch and see basically they want to rub their fake success in people's faces get back at the people who are mean at them in high school and Romy she's hoping not only to rub their success in people's faces but she's also hoping to rub faces with fun Bobby and let's play a quick clip you married Billy Christensen mm-hmm. for almost 10 years now Billy's in real estate development So how about you? Any kids? Oh, (laughs) no, I just haven't had time, you know, it was running my own business and all. Your own business? Yeah. I invented post-its. No, really, what do you do? That's what I do. I invented post-its. Oh, (laughs) you're kidding me. (laughs) So I... Take it, uh, Sinead, you've seen this movie, right? Oh, yeah. I've seen this like a gazillion times. Your wonderful girlfriend introduced me to it as many, <laughs> many of the most random movies out there she has. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's brilliant because it's not just about kind of um, like, I suppose, Niall's point there earlier on, you know, about kind of this idea that you see cropping up in reunion movies all the time where the main characters kind of find their true purpose and all of that. Um in this, you know, there's a great scene where they perform a fantastic dance to Time After Time, Cindy Lauper, yes. phen- phenomenal, in their true kind of being them, their true selves kind of thing. And uh, and that in all their colourful, amazing glory sort of thing. And as well, as with a lot of these uh, movies, a lot of the time, you know, not only is there trying to kind of get back at the people that were mean to you, but you also kind of end up falling out of friends with the close friends. They have a fight or something happens where their friendship is kind of put in jeopardy because they're back in that awkward, horrible place of high school. Mm. But they're trying to kind of a prove themselves or, you know, try to kind of, like you say, get with the guy, the, the, the guy that they always wanted back in high school. Mm. And it's always going to be disappointing and it's always going to be an anticlimax. And as Niall rightly said at the start about nostalgia, it's best left in yes. the past, you know. Um, but there is, it's such a fun movie. It really is a fun movie. And um, I think the lead characters are amazing in it as well. Plus, mm. great soundtrack and great oh, clothes soundtrack's unbelievable soundtrack's, yeah. it's a great like for anyone who I would imagine was kind of uh, you know uh, in their late teens in the late 80s I would imagine it's a perfect nostalgic throwback to anyone from that time you know it's, yeah. it's a lot of fun there's some great tracks on it um, have, have you seen it yourself now? I have I, I saw it in the cinema the summer it came out because it mm. came out the same summer as the movie that we'll be talking about at the end of this so it was the Volcano. summer of reunion movies ah. No, Jurassic Park, The Lost World. Yes. <laughs> Fun. Which was a reunion between... Um, yeah, it was. I don't know. Uh, the dinosaurs. Sorts. Yeah. It was a reunion 65 million years in the making. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, yeah. I really enjoyed it when I saw it. Uh, absolutely, the soundtrack was uh, one of the main things I remember. 
Um, and funnily enough, the stuff about the car rental place now that you've been, I'd, I've not seen it, I've maybe seen it on DVD when it came out and I've not seen it since because it was overshadowed that year by the movie that we'll be, we'll be talking about. And when I think about reunion movies, I think specifically about the film that we'll be talking about at the end. Yeah. Great. Cool. Well, I actually was I didn't know I wasn't sure it was out from the same year. It's a hell of a year yeah. for, for reunion movies and nostalgia. It was a great um, summer. It was a great summer. Yeah. Con Air was out that summer as well. And Volcano. <laughs> Volcano. Yeah, I don't think yeah. I went to see that. I don't yeah. think I made it um, that I I'll be honest with you, I like it's kind of as I was saying at the start, it's kinda of like a reunion for me because um I was in high school secondary school when when I watched it. And you know what like when I first saw this movie the character of Romy and Michelle were well over 10 years older than me but now and I'm, re- I'm re-watching it I'm like almost four years older than their, than their characters so it was kind of weird revisiting this movie I saw it from kind of a different uh, different angle and I think I probably associated with the characters a bit more when I was a teenager than I did now because they're really <coughs> quite childish oh yeah so immature <laughs> And can um, I ask? Um, I'm sure you've more, but uh, like, it's the same. It's it's um, it's. <laughs> I can't think now the the name of the actresses. You have it there. The Lisa Kudrow. Lisa Kudrow and Mira Servino. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they play themselves in high school and in in the reunion scenes as well. Yes. Um, is that something to do with that? The fact that you can't, you know, that that there is such a. Like there's no de-aging back then, except mm, you put no. Vaseline on the screen, t- maybe. But to be fair, like to be fair, kudos to the main cast because I'd imagine most of them are in their probably late twenties or early thirties, um, and they look surprisingly convincing as high schoolers in the flashback scenes. Especially Lisa Kudrow, who was like thirty-four at the time, and um, because this was nearing the end of her tenure in, in Friends and stuff, so they looked surprisingly fresh-faced, and it was kind of it was quite convincing. I w- I would have said. Um, do you know I guess it helps I suppose that the rest of the like they don't have high school people playing yeah it was around the same age you know that sort of way so you have no point of reference really to to to, to ruin it or to to make it stand out or or look odd Um, it what I found very funny about this was I love the lie I love the lie about the poster because obviously it's ridiculous and outlandish lies are all a bit of the fun in it but it's just such an odd one because post-its were they were everywhere they were throughout the 80s they were they were everywhere like um it wasn't like but these these two would have graduated in 1987 and post-its have been around years at that stage it's a bit ridiculous that they think that everyone would think that they'd invented them even though that they'd been around years even when they were still in we can only just be thankful that you weren't in that same imaginary school in arizona i would have pointed it out put a law put excuse me post-its have been around Although, did you for, know the post-it, the post-it um, patent from 3M, the company that first developed post-it notes, did actually expire in 1997, the year of the film's release. So they could have <laughs> potentially started their own company without getting sued, uh, just nice. so you know. <laughs> but you uh, beso- that all besides the point. Um, th- this film, to me, it felt like it was a lot of fun watching it, but it felt like it kind of meanders a little bit all over the place. Not really sure what it's doing. We have some fun along the way, and it got some fairly decent reviews, but I'm not sure it really was well, well paced or well, 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 that really well thought out. Um, there is some other interesting stuff in it, though. There's a cool connection between this film and Pulp Fiction, um, oh. because apparently they seemingly 
Mina Sorina was going out with Quentin Tarantino at the time, was she was yeah and there's a couple of little winks to the camera we have uh, you see a big kahuna burger bag which you'd know from pulp fiction in one scene um and you'll also see an advertisement for red apple cigarettes in another one and as you correctly said mira Servino was was dating um quentin tarantino at the time um but what i liked about it mainly was it's a good story about friendships and stuff like that and how like there is a bit of a love angle with alan coming in there as well but really it's mainly a love story about friends which is the part i enjoyed about it it isn't unfortunately from what i remembered half as it's not as funny or as charming and as as i had thought um on my original viewing it could have been down to the fact i was a teenager and i really really thought mira savrina was yeah <laughs> grand so, bit of stuff yeah, yeah so uh, so a talented but, actress is <laughs> talented. Yeah, exactly. but but just just like reunions it i thought it was going to be maybe a little bit more special than i remember than, oh. than 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 it was in my you memory can never go back never go no. back. no plus i peaked and do you school, think so. ross it could be remade is there any any uh, kind of, well there you know, was a kind of there wasn't a, a remake um, but there was, was a TV show, a prequel wasn't there? T- yeah, there's a prequel yeah. TV show which, which starred um, Catherine Heigl actually um, in it as well. I haven't seen it. It was released in 2005. I'd imagine it'd be quite hard to find these days. And I would say it probably didn't really seem to make that much of an impact. I think it's a movie that could be remade easily enough. Mm. And I think it's a movie you could bring have a contemporary spin on it and stuff like that it would be a lot of fun i invented i think one yeah. thing though that would need to change is the tagline to it oh what's oh, the tagline yeah. the tagline the bl- is the blonde, the blonde leading the blonde, the blonde. oh mm. yes which i think it's like oh come on it's a better movie than that i think yeah yeah from what yeah. I we've remember, gone through legally you know. blonde and stuff uh, i think we've yeah. gone beyond the um the kind of done dumb blonde trope i think that yeah. was yeah, I think yeah that's kind of a, a finish and i wonder was legally blonde was that well, I'm not sure what year that was. was I think that that's after, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's it after, right? I think it might. I think it was 2000. So I could be wrong now, but I would have said it was around that time. Mm. Uh, quick Google, hang on. Yeah, 2001 was the first Legally Blonde. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, well, yeah, it could be made. Obviously, you'd have to think of a, a lie that couldn't be so easily disproven. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's it, it, it's a lot of fun. Not as good as I remembered, but still worth a watch, especially if you haven't seen it. So moving to a very different reunion now for you, Niall, and I haven't seen this one or had I heard of it. No, and um, I'm hoping it's as good as I remember seeing it because I saw it three hours ago. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I kind of was looking for an excuse to see this film. So it's not that I said this would be a good topic for the podcast, but um, when, when I did go, this would be a good topic for the podcast, I thought, well, here's my perfect excuse to watch this movie. So this is a movie from this year, or I think it was made last year, 2020, but came out this year, uh, The Paper Tigers. And it's a low-budget kung fu, or I should say gung fu comedy, because that's how you, you pronounce kung fu if you're Chinese. Um, and it is basically the tale of three arthritic middle-aged men, uh, you can see why I was attracted to it, who reunite to avenge the murder of their Sifu. And Sifu basically is their Mr. Miyagi. It, it Si means master and Fu means uh, father. So uh, this is the character who mentored them in Kung Fu as teenagers. Um, it's a really low budget film. 
Um, it is on Netflix in America. You can see it, and you can see it on video on demand over here. Hopefully, it'll make it make its way to Netflix because I think it's a fantastic film, and I'm really glad that I got a chance to see it. Uh, it's written and directed by and edited by somebody called Tran Kwok Bao. And it plays on all of the cliches of martial arts movies. And I wouldn't be a huge martial arts fan, to be honest with you, mm. a martial arts movie fan. Um, but it has such an amount of charm. Um, and it has all of these elements that you look for in a reunion movie. It's a throwback back to those in the same way that, um, that uh, you know... What's the the Karate Kid one on Netflix? Oh, Cobra, Cobra Kai. Kai. Yeah, in the same, it's it's got a lot in common with Cobra Kai, but it's um it's just it's it's a movie as opposed to I think probably Cobra Kai maybe it's going on it keeps going on and going on and going on maybe it should stop. But this is just about these three characters who back in the nineties they were um they were a, 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 a unbeatable team of kung fu. Uh, fighters called the the three tigers and they were all trained by this sufu or master father cheng played by roger wan in this and um in this secret style of kung fu um and we opened this movie really uh, in a back alley in seattle and the elderly um kung fu expert sifu chung uh, is dying we can't see the face of who's killing him but we do see him make this mysterious hand gesture and it seems to somehow be in tune with the ebbing life force of the old Kung Fu master and as he manipulates his fingers the man dies so we know that this is this is the style known as poison fingers and it's a style known only to the disciples of Sifu Chung and then we are thrust We well actually before that we see uh, some old VHS style video recordings of the Three Tigers, uh, Sifu Chung's disciples in the 90s as they basically are trained by their master and they get involved in various different tournaments and become uh, become ma kind of legends on the streets of Seattle. And then we are thrust 30 years into the future, as I say, back again. Uh, Sifu Chung has been killed, we don't know by who, and his estranged students have to reunite they are the the three tigers old friends uh, Danny played by Alan Yu Hing played by Ron Huan and Jim played by Mikkel Shannon Jenkins and as I say they grew up fighting as, alongside each other uh, being trained and they're known as the three tigers but as adults in the present they are a deadbeat dad uh, a guy who has had a a horrific injury at work which means that he limps everywhere and um another uh, guy who works in a gym but kind of has forgotten all of his kung fu basically um they have been out of practice for years but in the course of this m movie the, these three middle-aged men all suffering from arthritis arthritis and kind of aches and pains they wake up in the morning they're sore you know what that's like um, and uh, they attempt to, to me or I'm talking to the listeners out there we all wake up every morning we wake up we don't feel as good as we did the day before and they are they go on this quest not only to avenge the death of their master but to relive their youth um, and we root for them the whole way basically because 
this is I had such a good time watching this movie I'm not sure if there's a clip that I can uh, say we'll play this clip now because um, a lot of it is the fights like those are the best kind of scenes in it um, but the cast do a fantastic job and it's one of those things where you meet these men really you get to know them when they are older and life has beaten them down or they have not lived up to the uh, promise that they had when they were you know 15 16 so we meet them as 40 year olds and just life is just not what they would have expected but yet we're still in this world of um kung fu and five deadly fingers poison fingers and things like that and honor and all and they're dragged back into it even at the same time that they have you know obligations because they have to pick up their kid from soccer practice and stuff like that um but i don't really want to talk too much about it because i like i say i'd read about this and i thought this fits perfectly into the premise of our first uh show back and um i would recommend if you get a chance to see it the paper tigers came out this year it's it's a brilliant really good film it's i mean i really enjoyed cobra kai the first couple of seasons i think like i say the diminishing returns are starting to to come back yeah in no I, I i've enjoyed it as well and i'm kind of going okay guys i'll give you one more season now and just leave it now do you know that yeah. way because they i think yeah. when they, they they just ruin it although there are some tv shows that like just get it right and they stop at like you know they they just get it at the storyline perfectly and they just wrap it up and it and it's done and then you've got ones that drag on and on that really shouldn't have like i, I really think about five six seasons depending on on the on the actual story and how big of a story arc it is is probably a sweet enough spot but um for cobra kai what are we season four now is it we're going into it i think yeah i think that's enough even i don't even think i got to the end of season three and it's not even that it was just like it it was particularly bad it just i was just like losing interest there were other things for me to go off and see and this like i think a lot of people going oh it's just like it's cobra kai but it's a movie but it's i think very it's really well done really clever the choreography is fantastic as it is in cobra kai as well but you feel every and you really feel with these guys they look they look like they're not on their last legs but they go like they're going up against guys half their age and it's Mm. like oh come on oh i feel every oh strain and sprain Mm. and all that but uh no it's it's i would recommend it and i like i say i'm not a huge fan but you can see it builds on movies like from like you know people would know bruce lee and jackie chan and stuff like that even the raid it builds on all those and i thought it was a great low budget movie and it did uh, i think it it hasn't had i suppose the release that it should because i think it's really well made so i wanted to shine a little light on it here perfect well it's time for a thousand and one movies to see before we die and i definitely for shame i am so glad that i've seen this movie before i die uh, <laughs> because you must, have been, you, you must have been out every Sunday it was played <laughs> it was played every Sunday on RTE for quite a while 1001 films to see before we kill you this is the 1981 American family drama film 
uh, on Golden Pond and it's directed by Mark Rydell and it's a screenplay written by Ernest Thompson who adapted it from his play of the same name and it stars heavyweight Hollywood legends Catherine Hepburn, Henry Fonda in his final film I think this was Jane Fonda as well in here and it received 10 nominations at the 54th Academy Award Best Picture uh, Best Actor as well Best Actress and, and Best Adapted Screenplay but uh, it's it's just it's pretty much a masterpiece of film like any of those 1001 books that you find mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's in there and it's beautifully told superbly acted and I think it ties in nicely to to the reunion vibe of of the show because you will get is, no no arguments from me. On yeah, <laughs> you see, uh, the film is set at uh, the summer cottage on Golden Pond that Norman and Ethel Thayer, who are played by Henry Fonda and Catherine Hepburn, and they visit um, the cottage every year. And Norman is approaching his 80th birthday, and he's not too happy about. Uh, that and getting older and you know he finds that he's getting quite forgetful and um, he keeps talking about death all the time and generally he's a cantankerous old git really Um, but during the course of their stay they are visited by their daughter Chelsea played by Jane Fonda and she arrives with her new fiance Bill who's a dentist and Bill's 13 year old son Billy so Norman it's kind of it's it's really, I suppose, a film in, in which is yeah, three acts. Like, I mean, you can kind of see why it was, you know, adapted by a play. It's got that kind of um, that feel to it. So the, the first kind of half of it or the first act, I suppose, is um, Norman and, and Ethel settling into the house and, you know, sort of, I suppose, settling down for the summer and cleaning the house up. And it's uh, Norman kind of is picking up photographs and he's kind of going who are these who is this person and you know he doesn't he's kind of getting the early onset i'd say of of dementia or or alzheimer's and um you know he forgets uh the postman that he's known for for all this time as well and just things like that and there's there's a really brilliant scene where near near the beginning where ethel sends him out to collect strawberries and he is going through kind of the, the wooded area by by the cottage and he just doesn't recognize where he is he gets frantically lost and he can't find the trail or the road back into town as he calls it and he ends up running back to to the house frantically and he's sweating and he arrives and you know it's this kind of moment of oh god you know what what's happening to me i really am in decline and and i don't know where i am and, and what i'm doing and he, he rushes back to what what's familiar with his which is his wife and there's a lovely kind of moment where he tells her I've raced back so I can see your face so it's going to ground me as to where, where I am. Um, so then the second kind of act, I suppose, is uh, Chelsea arrives with, with her um, new fiancé and, and the, the young son, Billy, and she asks... Um, well, it's soon kind of apparent that um, Norman and Chelsea don't really get on. Uh, Norman, I don't think, really could relate to Chelsea and, you know, he always kind of joked kind of these underhanded kind of nasty jokes she's always the butt of his jokes kind of thing and um it's just kind of tension from where it go when she arrives um 
But she asks Ethel, could she she and Bill leave young Billy with them for a month whilst they have a bit of time to themselves? Um, and Ethel convinces Norman that, that they should do this. So off they go. And Billy is put out at first being kind of left with this old couple with no friends. But he and Norman soon um, forge this really lovely bond over love of fishing and a really unlikely friendship between the two of them forms. Um and whilst the film is about this friendship and uh, also about the really strong, lasting love that Norman and Ethel have and kind of Norman's trying to come to terms of being old and, and kind of that time in your life, that those twilight years, it's really about the damaged relationship between Norman and his only daughter, Chelsea. Um, she's desperate for his approval and his friendship. She feels unloved by him. She can't, uh, you know, and he can't connect with her. And then this all reaches a climax in the final act. Um, and there's an absolutely tremendous scene near the end where Chelsea confronts Norman. And this scene is so significant, not just for the characters, but actually for Jane and Henry Fonda in real life, because it's well documented that the two had a troubled relationship, the kind of marriage the, the on-screen characters here, they did they, quite a difficult relationship. Um, and it's really life-imitating art in a lot of ways. And I do want to play some of that scene, but um, where, where Chelsea kind of has this has this confrontation and has it out finally kind of with, with her father about their relationship. But I came across a really great clip of Jane Fonda reflecting on the movie and this scene and how she prepared for it. I'm going to play a little bit of this here, but... Um, basically, Henry Fonda being the, you know, hardworking grafter of an uh, old school actor that he was, rehearsed scenes kind of to death and um, was often slightly thrown if somebody, or let's just say annoyed as well, if somebody did something improvised in a scene. But in this um there's uh basically she's what she's gearing up to to kind of you know i suppose confront her father about you know why do you not love me essentially like you know and why are we not better friends and it's just made that all the more poignant because it's them in real life but um she tells this great story in this little clip here about Catherine hepburn because uh jane fonda had to prepare for a close-up and obviously in the close-up the director is going to want you to shed some tears but in the rehearsals she felt all teared out, let's just say. Um, so she looks over to the side and she sees Catherine Hepburn and <laughs> crouching in the bushes, looking directly at her with these big eyes and kind of clenching her fists going, come on, come on, you can get the emotion out. Come on, you can do it. So she had her in her corner for this big moment. And here's just a little bit of her explaining the scene and what, what Catherine Hepburn did. And I went dry. I, I, I had nothing left. It was um, the actor's, the absolute actor's nightmare. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was, I was dead. My body was numb. My emotions were gone. And I said to Mark Rydell, the director, I said, um, I'll turn my back to the camera and, you know, when I'm ready, I'll, <laughs> I'll turn around and you can start rolling, not, not having any idea what I was going to do. And I turned my back to the camera and was facing the shore. And there on the shore, crouching in the bushes was Catherine Hepburn. And she fixed me with her fists and her eyes. You can do it, Jane. You can do it, Jane. And she willed me into the scene and gave it to me. She did. I think that um, 
Maybe you and I should have the kind of relationship that we're supposed to have. What kind of relationship is that? Well, you know, like a... like a father and a daughter. Yeah, just in the nick of time, huh? Worried about the will, are you? Well, I'm leaving everything to you except what I'm taking with me. Just stop it. I don't want anything. It just, it seems that you and me have been mad at each other for so long. I didn't know we were mad, I thought we just didn't like each other. I, I want to be your friend. Oh. This man, do you come around more often? You mean a lot to your mother. So as you can hear there, you know, really it was Catherine Hepburn's, I suppose, cheering on and urging her on and encouragement that actually got that true raw emotion from the scene. So what she does is she touches uh, Henry Fonda's arm, which wasn't rehearsed. And you can see it. And it's oh, I went back and played it a couple of times to get to grab it. You can see it in the scene that Henry Fonda looks down and almost like he's brushing away a real tear from their connection if you know what I mean it's there's a lot going on in this in terms of not just the characters but the actual real life Jane Jane Fonda and Henry Fonda um I mean this movie is predictable in the sense that we know it's building up to this kind of confrontation and resolving of the relationship between father and daughter but it takes a delightful meander on its way to get there I mean I really loved watching the young Billy and Norman Bond on the screen it's um Billy is the son Norman never had Billy is practice kind of almost for when Chelsea returns and he Billy in turn teaches Norman what it means to actually be a real dad and it's the kind of movie where you feel you've stumbled into somebody's private life. Um, it's so messed up and beautiful in ways that it kind of makes you appreciate your own family with all their flaws as well. Um, it's just brilliant. It, I can't you know, praise it enough. It really is a top class movie. It really is. And it's fantastic. It. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you lot, really yeah. should, uh, Ross. Um, I mean, it is, I think, one of the finest performances mm. from both Catherine Hepburn and Henry Fonda and Jane Fonda there. And Dabney Coleman as well as the, the, um, the young boyfriend. Billy. Yeah. yeah, no, no. Oh, the old Billy. boy, he's Bill, yes. Yeah, yes. He played a lot of 80s sleaze bags. He did. And, and he, he comes in with the energy, obviously. You kind of go, if if my estranged daughter came to came and it's like this is my new boyfriend and it was Dabney Coleman I'd be going yeah I don't yeah because there's a great scene (laughs) where he he sits down with Norman and he essentially says can I sleep in the same bed as your daughter and it's just this really like what are you saying and then Norman just kind of gives it to him like in the most kind of crass uh, humiliating way for Jane uh, Fonda's character more so in a way but it's almost that he's just so horrified that this guy has actually said this to him in his yeah. own house it's um, it's brilliant it really and is and Henry a, Fonda great, what a legend oh my god uh, brilliant and it's a great example of old Hollywood and new yeah, Hollywood it is meeting do you know what I mean um, but yeah no Ross you should definitely fill that in in your in your uh, omissions book yeah, it's great. On Gold Upon. I'm watching R- 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 Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Yeah. Once I put that to the side, I'll. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> rewatch that one again. So, all that's left is this time to murder a scene. 
It's time to murder a scene. Okay, the movie that we have selected to murder a scene from is a classic. Uh, we have alluded to it all episode long. It is, of course, gross point blank. Uh, tell us about this, Niall. Fantastic movie from the 90s. 97, was it? 97, yes, because I saw it the same year as... Uh, same summer, I should say, as Romy and Michelle. There was a lot of reunions going on that year. And it is this is the, uh, what would you call it? A black comedy, I guess. Yeah. Directed by yeah. uh, George Armitage and starring John Cusack, Minnie Driver, Alan Arkin and Dan Aykroyd. And John Cusack plays Martin Q. Blanc, uh, an assassin who returns back to his hometown of Gross Point to attend a high school reunion. And there he reunites with the the uh, prom date that he left you wouldn't say standing at the altar standing at the prom I suppose yeah. basically just dateless. didn't turn up yeah. dateless at the prom and uh, much like Romy and Michelle has a fantastic soundtrack and I have I, ha- I have somewhere both volume 1 and volume 2 of the uh, CDs it introduced me to so many great uh, musicians and tracks of films uh, and it's it's a brilliant uh, movie I still it's a touchstone for me I think yeah. because if I could be as cool as Martin Q Blank I would I would want to be that cool yeah and I'd definitely be going back to my high school reunion if I was a hitman do you know what I mean <laughs> and just take out everybody kickboxing in the in the toilets yes yeah. fantastic scene so many and, brilliant and meeting, scenes in this meeting a baby and looking at the baby into his eyes as uh, Queen and David Bowie sing under pressure, and then like that that scene Brilliant. gets me every time. It's class, it really is. And isn't aren't the Cusacks? Uh, there's this John Cusack is John in this as well. She is fantastic, yeah, she's as, fantastic. as his long-suffering uh, secretary. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I it's mean, brilliant. there was a lot of there. There has been a lot of other things like let's look into the life of a, of a hitman let's look into the life of, of you know certainly the Sopranos have come out before this with uh, you know let's let's hear what the mafia say to their therapists yes and this I think still has a great place in my heart for just doing it really well Alan Arkin as his therapist who <laughs> just Alan goes Arkin. I don't want to talk to you anymore because you will put me in danger <laughs> It's just brilliant in this film. It really is. It's absolutely class. So the scene that we have selected for you, um, this is a great one because this is kind of back and forth between two rival hitmen, isn't it? Yes. So Grocer, Dan Aykroyd plays Grocer in this film and he is a rival of uh, Martin Blanc. Martin Blanc is kind of a maverick. He likes to do things in his own speed, his own kind of style. And he's also going through what we would say is a crisis of conscience. Whereas Grocer, played by Dan Aykroyd, is very pragmatic. He's saying, I want to unionise. I want to get us all together. We'll all have the same jobs. I'll be in charge and you can just take your orders from me. And Martin is not happy about that. And we have, there's a brilliant scene earlier on in the film where (laughs) they meet up and he broaches this plan and Martin just goes, yeah, just forget about it. Whereas uh, now he's back in his hometown and Grocer has followed him there because of maybe a job and they have met up again over breakfast. Easy there, Chief. I don't see Hollow Point wound care on the menu. 
What are you in Detroit for? The Red Wings need a new goon. Hi, my name is Melanie. Let me tell you about some of our specials. Today, there's the alfalfa on my mind. That's our featured omelet. Or there's Gatsby's West Egg Omelet. And if you're in the mood for something different, there's the I Left My Heart in San Francesi. What do you have? Two poached eggs, scrape off the milky white stuff. Hash browns well done. English muffin for the bread and a coffee. Whole grain pancakes and an egg white omelet, please. What would you like in your omelet? Nothing in the omelet, nothing at all. Well, that's not technically an omelet. Well, I don't want to get into a semantic argument over it. I just want the protein, all right? Can I also say that I love that um, when they were casting two hitmen in this movie, they said John Cusack and Dan Aykroyd, who in my head I can't think of anyone less of a hitman, which yeah. probably makes them more believable as real-life hitmen. And action. Easy there, Chief. I don't see hollow point wound care on the menu. Up, up. What are you doing in Detroit? The Red Wings need a new goon? Hi, welcome to B.I. McCafferty's. My name is Melanie and I'll be your server this morning. Let me tell you about some of our specials. Today we have the alfalfa on my mind, our feature omelette, and there's our Gatsby West Egg omelette. And if you're in the mood for something different, there's the I Left My Heart in San Francesi. Well, what are you having? Two poached eggs with the white stuff scraped off, hash browns, well done, English muffin for the bread and a coffee. Whole grain pancakes and an egg white omelette. And what would you like in your omelette? Nothing in the omelette, nothing at all. Well, <laughs> that's not really an omelette. Let's not have an argument about semantics. Just give me the protein. Come on, live a little. I'm sorry about the incident yesterday. No harm, no foul. A little misunderstanding among my associates. I told them to kill you, and they didn't. Hard to get good help these days. But since we're both here, I think it's time to take a fresh look at our relationship. I didn't get into the business to have associates, and I don't want to join your goddamn union. Loner, loner gunman, get it? On my own, that's the whole point. Why don't you come a cop or something? You can drink coffee in the morning with friends. Look, this is a one-on-one business. Every time you get to know people, bad things happen. If it'll make you feel any better, this is my last job. So what do you say? We put our guns away and forget the whole damn thing. Fuck you. No scabs. From now on, everything's regulated. No deal. Fine. But we're not going to let you do your job because we're going to do it. And then, after we do your job... We're going to do another little job. Is that right? Yeah. After I shoot you through the fucking forehead, I'm going to fuck you in the bullet hole. Nice <laughs> talk, sugar mouth. <laughs> See Oh, okay. That's... Uh, now, only half of that was the actual podcast recording. That's just some behind-the-scenes stuff. That's just yeah. how Ross talks to... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> was that, he was on a call there with someone else I was on a call to my granny <laughs> so we hope you enjoyed our reunion episode and remember according to Niall it has to be over three years in order for it to be a reunion at least five years five Til- years minimum <laughs> till next time film fans bye see you in five years for the reunion of this episode see you in three bye <laughs> You have been listening to The Real Take, presented by Sinead Brassel, Ross Leahy, and Niall O'Brien. Our music was provided by actor, artist, and musician Will Guppy. You can find him on Instagram at will.guppy. And you can find us on Twitter 
Instagram, and Facebook at The Real Take Podcast. If you would like to contact us to tell us how fantastic we are, you can reach us at therealtakepodcast at gmail.com. See you at the movies.